You're listening to Brown on Brand, featuring Matthew Brown on Thumbstopper.fm. All right, welcome back to Brown on Brand. And today I have uh, Sean Holter with Connectivity Holdings. And uh, he comes as a guest that, uh, not only a guest, but a partner, uh, uh, somebody we've depended on for a number of years uh, to help us with uh, really the whole format of what Thumbstopper is all about and what I do. And that is is helping companies, uh, whether they're brands or retailers, with their branding and their marketing. Welcome, Sean. Thank you, Matt. It's nice to be on the show finally. Yeah, awesome. And I'll tell you, I've been dying to get you on the podcast. And, and I know you're a veteran of podcasting and you have your own, the CMO podcast, which is, you know, just had, had an amazing the catapult. The CMO suite, that's true. The CMO suite, yep. right. And um, and I've listened to several of those and, and you've had some amazing guests and some amazing topics. And I was hoping to drill into some of that today. Just, you know, talk about the foundation of what's changing in the landscape on the marketing side, both traditional and the digital, because I know you play in both of those worlds. Yeah, so I guess what I'd add, you know, Matt, I think you and I have had several conversations just even about your own podcast, which is figuring out who the audience is that you're trying to reach. And that's sure. the same no matter what kind of marketing it is, whether it's business to consumer or business to business. Business to business seems trickier for some reason. I think some of that is because the way we build businesses, in many cases, we build them from foundational relationships that we've built. And those relationships beget more relationships. And that's how a lot of business just comes in. Maybe you make yep. a pitch from time to time, depending on what your structure is. But business to business is changing. It's changing for, for just the reasons that you and I know, because we're on our phones, because we're always checking our email, because we're yeah. always you know on the web. Physically getting to somebody is almost impossible at this point unless you have a, a road in. And so I think all I would uh, add or what I would add to extend this part of the conversation is we used to not work with brands that didn't already have media spend out in the market because it's too hard to get them to understand how this works. And it's not perfect. You can't pull something off a shelf. I can't tell you, Matt, that if you spend $25,000, you're going to get $50,000 immediately, especially if it's a brand that that people you talk to may know, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't know. And that's the biggest struggle for any business-to-business marketing campaign. It's it's frightening. It's It's, real money, you know, and it's hard. And I think we forget sometimes that we know our own brands, and so we think everybody else should know our brands. And so the moment you spend... 5k or 10k on a, a PPC campaign, we expect immediate results from that. Mm-hmm. And it's just not how it how it works. And so sure. I think, you know, if there's any advice that I can give to business owners, it's make sure that you're well funded when it comes to those dollars, make sure that you understand who your targets are, and that you're putting whatever resources you can to talk to those targets. And that that targeting piece is tricky for a lot of business owners that we talk sure. to, especially when it comes to business to business, because they think everybody is their target, yeah. or they think, uh, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, uh, buy a piece of software because I saw an ad for it. But the reality is, in many cases, you would buy a piece of software if it's a piece of software that you're actually looking for. You know, flipping the script a little bit, when Connectivity Holdings is attracting a customer or attracting somebody that they want to work with, is that, who who is that? Who's that sweet spot customer? Sure. So like many businesses, we started off as something and we've evolved since that time. We started off as a media buying agency. And that's because I used to sell media. So so it's just like, you know, on the attorney side, when you're a really great prosecutor, you probably make a great, you know, uh, defense attorney. So I learned everything there was to learn by doing media sales. And by doing that, I had enough clients of mine that just said, look, clearly you know how to sell us media. So can you help us buy it? So started off that way. I was a late stage entrepreneur. I started at 40. I was literally turning 40, had some money in my pocket. And from there, I think you know, we did that for about five or six years. It, that that company is still uh, extremely successful. We try to cap the number of clients that it has where we can at 15 to 20. We found that that for us, that's kind of a nice sweet spot. It gives us 
enough in-depth understanding of what a client's needs really are, but we're not just taking every single piece of business to do it. Uh, and then we started making money, which is good. And you want that in a company. And in taking that money, we started either buying or building other things up and down the marketing funnel. And the reason behind that was because for some of our clients, they had needs that extended beyond then, mm-hmm. you know, media strategy. And they had needs that we would just normally say, we'll go, you know, go grab somebody else to do that or we'd make a recommendation. And the way that consumers consume now, we realize that we really need to have a solution up and down the entire funnel for all of our clients. doesn't mean they have to use us for all those things, but there's also agencies and other clients that maybe have somebody that does their traditional media strategy for them and they love them, but they need help with PPC or they need help with social or they need help with understanding how to build out uh, brand teams or marketing teams. And so I think I've, uh, we've adapted around that by again, buying or building in each of those steps along the way. It's allowed us to be more profitable in some ways, the margins shrink depending on, you know, what those things are sometimes, but by having that full funnel understanding, it also allows us to provide somewhat independent guidance to our clients as opposed to just saying, well, you should put that into media buying because that's what we do. We can really provide advice now based on what we think are going to move sales. And that's ultimately, hopefully what most of our clients find us accountable for. What's it like to identify an influencer and how, how does that work, right? Like if I came to you and said, I need an influencer. Does an influencer always mean somebody famous? That's a great question. So there's a couple of different types of, of influencer, you know, marketing out there. You have the kind that you've talked about, which is basically, um, you know, a, a somewhat celebrity and a celebrity can mean lots of different things. It doesn't sure. all have to be Courtney, you know, Kardashian. It could be yeah, yeah. a really great surfer um, that maybe most of us would never know what their name is. It could be a really fantastic YouTuber that depending on what age you are and the target is, we'd have no idea who that person is, but the targets or the people that we're trying to reach know them, you know, extremely specifically. It doesn't have to be a music artist. It can be all kinds of different people. An influencer is really anybody that can influence decisions that are out there. And it's amazing how many of those are out there that are not always big names. And so, uh, and is there a place where you go find these people? Like anybody can call themselves an influencer. The reality is that. So anybody can brand themselves (coughs) that if they want. I think ultimately it comes down to making sure that you're picking people that will resonate with the target that you're trying to talk to. And so for bigger influencers that have bigger followings, there's agencies that represent them. There's companies that specialize just in building campaigns or assisting agencies in building campaigns with those kinds of people that are out there. There's also a, a is that an, is that always an expensive task or is sometimes I think it's like any form of media, you know, if you want to buy radio in New York city, is it expensive? it's as expensive as the number of people that you're reaching, you know? So it's relative. It's all relative. Influencers are no different. You might, you might run an influencer campaign with a big celebrity and they get tons of followers. They get tons of interaction. It drives tons of business back your way. You look at somebody like bang energy drink, who's really uh, invested heavily in the influencer space. It's mostly pretty girls and they're trying to talk to men and that seems to work extremely well. Um, But you also can do local influencer campaigns and that that's something that's really interesting because it can be, you know, a lot less expensive and a localized influencer campaign might be that um, maybe it's Margaritaville, uh, which is a client of ours. And we may be wanting to promote the fact that they've got this new uh, five o'clock happy hour. And so Sparks may go out and try to find in Nashville, they may try to find, you know, 25 or 35 um, business people or moms or people that we want to use as a target to drive people into that five o'clock happy hour. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's wine Wednesday, you know, maybe it's that instead of five o'clock happy hour. And so we go out, we find those moms, we find moms in those markets that are big influencers, or we find people that are part of that wine scene and we help pull them into the campaign, whether we pay them a small amount for posting or we provide them uh, the chance to be able to bring a bunch of their friends to go and post about it, or we do a takeover with them. You know, it doesn't have to be a hundred thousand dollars to build an influencer campaign. Okay. And, and what do you do as an agency, right? Do you, do you 
tack on to what that influencer and you manage that influencer and you yep. manage the creative and the things that you want that influencer doing and sharing, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. So you manage the campaign, you make sure that all the elements are taken care of. You make sure that they're doing the things that they need to do. That space is changing and it's changing because uh, people like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat realize that money is leaking out of their bucket because rather than people buying ads on Facebook, now they're buying influencers and the same on Instagram. And so they'll continue to evolve. They'll continue to kind of try to restrict uh, some of the abilities, especially for some of the larger influencers. We see that happening first. The number of people that can see those posts <coughs> and the right. way that that evolves over the next two or three years will be pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, that is interesting. You know, what? what's your overall view of what social media has done to change? It, it, it has been a change, but is, has it been as drastic as everybody sees? Is that what, what has it affected the most? Like, Who's been damaged the most by social media when you think about marketing? I think the younger consumer has probably been damaged the most. You used to be able to reach young consumers by running TV spots okay. and yeah, you'd be yeah. able to say to them, go buy this. Yeah. And you can't, you just can't do that anymore. They don't watch traditional Saturday TV morning anymore. cartoons. Yeah. Watch, it's, I mean, it's a thing of the past. By young people. I mean, even 25 you okay. know, to 34, they yeah. just, they're cord cutters. They don't watch traditional TV. <coughs> they watch everything either on Hulu or Netflix. They try to get everything ad free where they can, because obviously nobody loves advertising. Sure. And so moving that consumer has gotten extremely difficult. You better have a social presence when it comes to that kind of uh, direct consumer, because if you don't, that's where they're spending all of their time. Yeah. So starting with the youth, that's been the biggest impact. And it's to me, you know, the best analogy that I sometimes use, Matt, is that social media is like a nightclub. So the coolest nightclubs are where all the kids go. And by kids, I mean, you know, 18, if you got your fake ID to, to 34, right? Yeah. That's the coolest nightclub. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is that nightclub ages and then it has to continue to make revenue. So it expands out. It says, okay, we're not going to talk just to 34 year olds. Now we're yeah. going to talk to 40 year olds and then yeah. 50 year olds. So it's an evolution of a bell curve. And that's been traditional that, that, that curve has happened no matter which forms of social media you go back to sure. all the way back to the very first ones, yeah, all the way back to the MySpace, right? So the young people are the early adapters. Then it gets to be a little bit older. And by the time it reaches people that are 50 and 55 and 60, yeah. it ain't cool for the young guys anymore. Yep. They're not going to that club anymore. Yeah, they're, they, call, they're, they're already on to the they're next calling thing. calling it aging up. Of it course. happened with Facebook. It happened with Instagram. It happened with Snapchat. And it's happening with TikTok is these things. Yep. You know, and, the, and that was the earliest. You know, you look at TikTok and these were, some of these were preschool kids with an iPhone. Yep. You know, they're able to go, look, I'm making a funny video. So, you know, I think that's when it comes to social media, it's just making sure that you understand what it can or can't do. Understanding that the goal for those companies is to restrict your posts as much as possible so that you have to pay for that influence. Sure. I think it's also understanding how we as consumers uh, consume social media. So I'll use the example of shoes. I love shoes. So if somebody wants to push me an ad on Instagram for shoes, I'm willing to look at it. Doesn't mean that I'll buy it, but I'd rather get an ad for shoes than for something I have absolutely zero interest in. Sure. On the business and to business side. And you're being penalized for that now. Of course. Yeah, the wide net. On yeah. the business to business side, it's trickier because most of us want to use uh, Instagram and Facebook or whatever platforms we're on to turn our brains off of business. And so you run a little bit of a risk if social becomes a big part of your business to business strategy. You run some risk of the fact that you may be talking to those exact right people but and with the right message, but at the wrong, wrong time. Venue. You wrong know, venue. Wrong time, yeah. wrong venue, yeah. you know. Um, I think what businesses can do, again, whether you're a dealer, a manufacturer, whoever you are uh, that's out there, I think that what you can do is you can make sure that the message resonates with the medium that you're using. If you want to reach me and you want to sell me a piece of software for my uh, digital social company, um, then it better have some kind of a hook that relates to the fact that I'm in social and here's yeah. something cool about social. It better have some content that resonates with me not just another push for here's 995 for our piece of software and you should buy that today. 
So what what's what do you, what do you think twenty twenty looks like? Um, you know, you hear things like you know the TikTok. We bring it up with the social media. Um, I see billboards are going digital and they're being interconnected to where businesses can reach into that. That's interesting to sure. me, right? And so those are, I thought, you know, I've been seeing billboards. I mean, who the, why would anyone have a billboard? Billboards are great yeah. forms of advertising sometimes. Are they? Yeah. Depending on, again, depending on what the brand is. And um, I think the, the biggest foundational changes for next year will be twofold. One of which is I think you'll continue to see cord cutting. You know, you think about uh, when you finally didn't have a home phone, right? And so you know, we thought forever we'd have a home phone. And then just one day you just don't one day they just bring the phone and you're like, I don't need that. Yeah. Um, it's happening with TV. It's accelerating extremely quickly. The amount of people who will view their uh, TV options through a traditional cable cord and, and live or through a box um, that continues to, to ramp up faster and faster. And you faster. think that over the top is just going to continue to build and build and build. It's not a thing. It already, it's already, yeah. it already has. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, uh, that won't slow down. There will be a day where cable companies, um, where, where most of the programming is pushed through some form of connected TV or over the top TV or through an app, as opposed to, uh, where you buy a cable package. And so you could really target so much better than you know, through our local cable company. So yeah, let right. me add one piece to that though, yeah. which I think is somewhat interesting because I think it can relate to any business that's out there. All of us as consumers that bought cable forever, we had to pay for our cable packages and they would package up the good stuff with the crappy stuff. Yeah. And if you wanted the good stuff, you had to pay, you know, 200, if you wanted you know, less of that, you had to pay more or less. Consumers were pushing forever to the point where the government was trying to almost get into the space and say, look, they should be able to pick the things that they want a la carte. And cable companies forever said, no, we're not going to do it. This is mm -hmm. how we make our money. Mm -hmm. And so what happened is technology changed that. Kind of Te plowed through it. Plowed through it. And yeah. basically, you know, it's what happened with the taxi companies and Uber is that taxi companies said, we don't want to do it this way to the point where technology came in and basically said, we're going to provide a solution to consumers, whether you want it to or not. And that to me is exactly what happened to this, to the cable piece. Now, none of us even think about uh, packages anymore. Now we know exactly what we want to watch. We pay exactly for what we want to watch. And that's where that revenue goes. Absolutely. So no matter what company you have out there, whether that's media or marketing or whatever it is, you have to be thinking about what impact technology will or won't have with your business. I think that'll be one of the biggest changes for 2020 is a continued evolution in that space. And the last thing is just that next year will be a political year. And political always makes things interesting when it comes to media and marketing because there's a fair amount of noise in the market. Mm -hmm. There's a fair amount of scare that goes into the market because mm -hmm. each side wants to scare the other side. Yeah. And so um, it creates just general They're tension. They're good at that. They're good at that. Yeah. And the last thing is they tend to chew up a lot of, of media um, with all of those becomes scary messages. It becomes more expensive, right? More expensive, and then yeah. we want to tune it out. Nobody wants to you know watch their favorite show and sit through nine political commercials in a row to get to one local commercial. You just, you don't want to do it. So I think that will probably accelerate the cord cutting even more. And uh, we'll see what comes in 2021 and 2022 when it comes to kind of buying traditional TV. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe that, it, you know, you're, you're right on the money is this thing is transcending. It's not just about digital media anymore. It's about the way we've just, we're ingesting it through technology, whether it's media or videos or whatever, and being able to target those specific people now should even become easier. You know, I think that lends a credibility as well to why you need a partner agency and why you need a, a professional on your team that's staying ahead of that. Because I don't think the average business, you know, can be in tune with how they should be migrating their money, you know, through that realm of things to do as a business. And, th and that's independent 
you know, for each and every business, depending on, to your point, are you going after consumers? Are you going after other businesses? What is the message of the business? There's just so many moving pieces. Uh, anything I missed or anything you want to touch on? No, appreciate the time. Yeah, I'm we glad got, we finally made, made, you know, made the time for us to be able to do this. We got through that it's quick. It's nice. I hope, uh, I hope our 2020, uh, you know, involves more stuff uh, with you and I together. It will. It always does. So, Same. all right, guys. Thank you. Sean Halter and uh, Matthew Brown tuning out. Thanks for listening. And remember, subscribe to Brown on Brand at thumbstopper.fm or wherever fine podcasts can be found. Ooh.